Welcome to Coos's Corner, a platform for passionate, unscripted discussions with my guests to entertain and inspire you. Let's get into this episode. Coos's Corner, going international. Today, I'm going to call up my friend Christian, who's been on the podcast before, who's currently doing his exchange in Australia. So here we go. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Christian, you're on Coos's Corner right now. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for having me on, man. Well, it's been uh, some time, and I uh, haven't spoke to you in a while, and you haven't been on the podcast for a while, and rightfully so. You're in Australia right now. How's that going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, it's going well. I'm uh, looking forward to talking about it with you. I appreciate you having me on. You so, know, breaking the distance. What's the time there right breaking now? Uh, 9.30 in the morning. 9.28 a.m. Okay, right on now it, Friday. it is uh, 7.28 p.m. here on Thursday. So uh, you're getting your nice. weekend started. Probably gone up to some activities. What have you been doing while you're on exchange? Well, actually, I got here about close to the end of the summer. Okay. So midway through February, I had about three weeks of proper intense, like, because I feel like Australian summer, it's not just, you know, 25, 30 degrees. They get in the 40s pretty easily. So I was in that humid, high temperature range for about two weeks. But yeah, it's been fantastic weather the entire time. I can't complain. That's awesome. Uh, You've been doing much surfing? Yeah, I've been getting out on the water. I've been getting out on the water. Uh, it's a lot harder than I anticipated. Especially for you. You're a tall tall guy. Starting on your stomach on the board, it's a long distance to get up there. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. You got to pop up the feet. But once you get your feet under you, you're on the board. Did you surf you before be going? standing straight up. Or is this your first time? No, first time surfing. That's so, awesome. I, comparing it to other sports, I think, especially other board sports like snowboarding or skateboarding. The hard part about surfing is that you spend probably at least 90% of your time not actually technically surfing, right? Like you're paddling out, you're trying to get the wave, you're waiting for the wave. For sure. You're paddling onto the wave, you fall. Like you spend such a small amount of time actually on the board. When you are up on the board, it's uh, that's when the juices are flowing. Exactly. That's when the juices are flowing, but it happens so rarely at the beginning. Right? Yeah. So it takes a lot of time, I think, to get the, the hang of actually surfing, surfing. So right before you left, what were you thinking? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Mm-hmm. What, what was your mental space at? We did a podcast before, but like I'm talking like the day before you were about to leave. Were you like, holy shit, this is going to be wild? Or like, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Um, the day I was be- excited. So I did come straight to Australia. Yeah, you stopped in Europe before, right? I left halfway. I went to Germany. Exactly, I went to Germany for a month, so that felt like a buffer period because I had some family over there that I was seeing as well. Yeah, I was definitely excited. I honestly don't think I really knew what I was letting myself in on. <laughs> yeah, like when I got over here, I don't know a week or two in, I fully took in that I'm here until December. That I was here for ten months or eleven months. It's a long time. Exactly. It's a long time. And you do know a couple people there, but it's starting a new community of friends. Um, you're also at school there, which you were in co-op before, and you're back in school. Yeah. 
So was that an adjustment? Definitely, definitely a couple. There was a couple things that were the same and yet very different. Um, coming over here, coming into a new school, I almost felt like a first year again. Okay. Which was interesting. Especially being on exchange, I find like the, the similarities between first year and exchange is that everything's new, everything's exciting, and you're on a bit more of a sort of open and interesting mentality, and like you're a, looking to have a good time. And, like a honeymoon phase. Yeah, like a honeymoon phase, and you're also, I don't know about you, but like there was, especially my first year, there was a lot of partying. For sure. And um, from what I've heard about other people on exchange, it sounds like there's a lot of sort of just good times happening. So I felt like I had one foot sort of in that door. Yeah. And the only thing was that I've, I've spent three years sort of going out and partying and having a good time. And to be honest, it's funny but and ironic, but by the time I got here, I was kind of looking to be a little bit more focused with school. Okay. And uh, just with my own, like, I don't want to be going out to uh, to bars, you know, four nights a week. Yeah, definitely. It gets exhausting. Yeah, it is exhausting, and it's expensive. For sure. You're in Wollongong? Wollongong, yeah. So what type of town slash city is that? It's like Guelph, but in Australia, right on the ocean with a beach five minutes from my house. Jeez. And right beside some nice green mountains. That's awesome. Do you see yeah. many similarities between Canada and Australia? Um, yeah, I think it's basically the same country, just uh, affected by different factors. Yeah. So very similar people, but because the weather is so nice here all year round, I feel like people are a little more relaxed and a little more just generally open to different ideas and in terms of like... <laughs> I think there's a less rigid structure okay. coming out of high school here. Have you traveled around Australia much? Uh, just in the area, man. I've been to Tim Winterflood's hometown, Bega, okay. which is really cool. Um, I've been to Sydney. I actually saw Jordan Peterson live at Sydney, which is funny. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was interesting. It's like Canada, um, though. It's so big, you can't get around everywhere. No, it's like Canada. Like, if you came like, on yeah, exchange to Montreal, you're not going to be going to Vancouver. You're not going to be going, like, super far places. Unless you really no, put an effort no. out there, but it, it's tough to do. Definitely. I will be getting to Melbourne at some point and okay. uh, visit a friend of mine, Miles. Nice. That, so that's that's 10 hours from here, which is, I don't know. A long it's drive. Toronto on the Montreal. Yeah. Have you been to Aussie Rules football game yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't yet. Although I noticed, man, a lot of the sports here, there's much less equipment than the classic sort of North American sport like hockey, football. Well, hockey, um, it costs about $1,000 just to buy all the equipment to play the game. They are, easy. They, they've easy. got cricket where you just buy a bat pretty much and a ball and some sticks, but you can yeah. find sticks on the ground if you really had to. You're playing Aussie Rules football, which is literally just a ball and some poles up. But that's a, it's a savage sport. Yeah. They, uh, it is, it is a bit of a savage sport. Have you played any but, at all? No, nothing more than tossing the ball around at the beach. Yeah. A bit, like rugby is also very big here as well. The Aussie rules football and rugby, but they're very similar. I think in terms of, um, 
of the brutalness. Like it's both just a ball and and your body. There's no equipment involved, and That's you're right. running it from one side of the field to the other. Like, I just I think there's more of a flow to the sports here as well. To be honest with you, less stoppages. Yeah, way less stoppages. Like if you compare this to football, there's a stop every time the ball goes down. But here it's all about keeping the the game rolling, which I like. I like that way more, and there's less less commercial breaks. I've always thought that Aussie rules football was a really nice mix between rugby and soccer. Yeah. Because you are most to get points, you need to kick the ball through two uprights, or there's multiple uprights yeah. on the field. But it's also crazy because it's played on a field that's the size of a cricket pitch. I've heard that the the atmosphere at those games are quite wild. Yeah, yeah. It seems it seems like the fans. It's really intense. And the fans, they're sitting on grass around the field. Yeah, totally different. Like, there's no, there's no like, arena. Like, it is an arena, but it's not the arena in the classic sense that you'd think with, like, seating and popcorn and yeah, all that. Well, Which North, I actually appreciate more. It's more relaxed, more of a... I don't know how to say it, but I, I guess it's just um, more simple. Which is kind of nice. There's yeah, le- there's less extra yeah. distractions. Yeah, I would is... say simple though in terms of uh, like technique oh, or strategy. Definitely, not, definitely not. I'm just saying as a as a fan to watch, like it's more less distractions yeah, I agree, and stuff like that. I just, also, I wanted to like comment on what you said about the soccer and yeah. the mix between soccer and uh, rugby. I I agree with that as well, just because of the, the fact that you can move the ball forward, you can pass forward. For sure. In AFL, I like a lot. It just opens the game up more. I think for rugby, it you know it adds to the strategy of the game. Mm-hmm. Has the time difference affected you much? Like with talking to people, like keeping in contact with your family and friends, has that been tough to organize sometimes? Um, you know, it's not too bad. I usually, if I want to talk to somebody in Canada or in North America, it's always in the morning here, which is never never too big of an issue because I don't have a job right now and I just go to school so I have the luxury of time what uh courses are you taking there I'm taking uh international finance which is honestly the first time I'm really really enjoying a finance not the first time I'm really really enjoying one but I feel like I'm actually thriving in it and I'm appreciating it much more than I have in the past it's awesome uh yeah it is nice actually I'm taking um, photography, oh. introduction to photography, which is cool. Nice. Nutrition. Oh, I'd, and I took nutrition at Concordia this semester, and it did not go very well, or this past semester. No, which one, which one did you take? It was Fundamentals of Nutrition. I, uh, it was just a course that I thought was going to be a joke, but it was actually a lot harder than I thought. It was one of those online courses, so I only did work about oh, you did it online. once a week. Once every two I, uh, or three weeks, which was tough. I, did that, I took that course as well, but I did it in class. Okay. It was kind of um, cool, though. Like, part of my course was, like, actually making food, taking photos, uploading it. Like, it, the, the meals had to have certain aspects, like certain uh, fibers, certain, like, like omega-3, certain vitamins. Like, yeah. So it was cool. I learned a little bit, but it was definitely uh, a lot tougher than I was expecting. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm supposed to be on a diet right now for my nutrition class, the Ducan diet. Oh, so what's that? Um, I've heard of it. it. Yeah, it's a protein-based diet 
that is supposed to help you lose weight, which I don't really think I need to, like, I definitely should be losing weight, but whatever. Uh, I only have to do it for three days. Basically, there's four phases. The first phase is all protein. Okay. So you eat only meat every single day. You're allowed... You actually you have to eat 1.5 grams of oats as well, and then you're allowed milk and yogurts under certain percentages of fats. Okay. Which I could under 35% fat. How tough is it to keep that up, the diet? Oh man, it's been hard. Yeah. Many cheat Especially days. Or... Not for like it's not my own choice to do it. For sure. Have you uh, have you heard of intermittent fasting? Yeah, actually, a friend of mine here does it. So Joe Rogan talked about it on his podcast, and I I watched it. It was really cool. And basically, you eat within a certain time period. So it's like if you want to do it, uh, you could do like an eight-hour intermittent fasting. So that's you only eat within like eight hours. So say you want to start at 11, you can only eat until 7 p.m. But it doesn't matter what you eat. You just got to eat within that time frame. And basically, it just it gets your body in a constant cycle because I guess – your body, like, it's always going through cycles with, like, day and night and that type of stuff that you shouldn't really be eating late at night or, like, early in the morning. Um, exactly. It's like, I, I heard that it goes on, like, 8 or 10 hour, depending on the person, anywhere from 8 to 12 hour cycles. So that's why you want to stay within that cycle. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Exactly. And, and when you, when you if, you're, if you're doing a lot of exercise as well, for sure. You're going, you're still able to potentially put on muscle, but kind of remain lean because your body flushes out all the extras during those fasting periods. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. The thing yeah. with the, a lot yeah. of these diets, though, is that a lot of them are for, like, obviously there are bulking diets, but a lot of them out there on the internet are for losing weight. And for mm-hmm. guys like us, that's not really. A problem it's actually the opposite it's probably gaining more weight that's tougher for yeah, us it, so yeah, 100% but that's okay um <laughs> what's your uh what's your go-to spot in Wollongong my go-to spot for for what for food yeah let's say for food we'll go through the, like for food for a drink just to chill those three places okay I'll start off I'll start off for a drink because that's the first one that came to mind for a drink would be uh there's a bar called North Gong Hotel. Just four minute walk from my place. Okay. What, and what type huge of open patio in the back? Always relaxed vibes, live music sometimes. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a great spot. Yeah, great spot. For food? To be honest with you, man, I've been making most of my own food. I've actually been trying to get better at cooking, so I haven't been eating out all that much i guess the best spot to eat would be right on the beach there's a restaurant that's right on the beach nice which would be my go-to but i prefer i made lasagna the other day from scratch which was nice i was gonna make lasagna the other day but i looked up a recipe and realized how much stuff actually goes into lasagna and i was a bit lazy (laughs) yeah it takes about an hour i think to do roughly but it's a good meal for doing like meal prep and having a meal for the week. Hundred percent, and it's delicious, man. Like if you do it right, it's gonna be so good. It's such a good meal. That's rarely had. I feel um, like it's I also, not. I went fishing on the ocean the other week. Oh. A couple weeks ago, which is really cool. Caught caught some fish called flatheads. 
and um, learned how to cut them up after, and then brought them back home, fried them up with some potatoes and veggies, and it was, that was a really good meal. See, for us, especially being from Ontario and living in Montreal, we don't really get that fresh fish. Never, yeah. So it, it does make a big difference when you're getting it right out of the water and eating it within a couple of hours. Yeah, actually, I loved I loved learning how to cut them up as well and just, like, being part of that whole process because recently I've, I have been, you know, definitely understanding and seeing the bad sides of just buying your own meat and mm-hmm. just the effect on the industry and the environment. For sure. Or like, the, the effects of the meat industry on the environment. But I'm also not really 100% willing to give up meat myself. I know I'm I'm so, I'm with you on that. Like I I see that like you know buying red meat is really bad for the environment, especially with these these cows and like the methane that they release is really strong for like carbon yeah. emissions and stuff like that, and the greenhouse gases. But at the same time, it is really tough to, especially for me as a person that doesn't have a huge cooking knowledge. Um, I feel like it's it's just an easy cop out just to buy a steak and just do it on the barbecue, you know, like, but that part of it, part of it is me being lazy and also not having a massive budget. Yeah. Well, for, for myself, uh, like I watched one or two videos on YouTube completely randomly just of like cows in a farm getting like how they were treated at a dairy farm. And I was like, Oh, it's gross. I don't really like that. Um, but a nice thing here is that there's such a surplus of kangaroos, wild kangaroos, that people who have a, the proper license go out, hunt them, bring them to a butcher shop, and they get sold to grocery stores. So if you're buying kangaroo meat here, it's generally there's no steroids. It hasn't been farmed. It, it was a wild kangaroo that you're now eating. So uh, I've been eating a lot of kangaroo meat. As a, How does as it a, taste? It's really good. Like any comparison for meat here? I had a kangaroo steak the other day, which it was really... It was fucking, it was really good. Is it, it was like, like a nice sort of medium rare. Okay. Is it chewy steak. or is it very like tender? No, it was tender. Okay, nice. It wasn't chewy, but I've heard that it can be chewy. The sausages that they have are really lean, really lean sausages. Like, I don't really have much of a clue about Australian foods. Are there any specialty foods that you can only get in Australia? Or that Australia is really known for? Like, for example, Canada is really known for poutine. Something like that. Yeah. Um, they're known for Vegemite here. Oh, like yeah. It's paste you put on bread. I've tried it once. It wasn't horrible, which I've heard is horrible. But it wasn't. I wasn't blown away by it either. It's just something that I wouldn't eat because it's not that good. <laughs> you know? I've had it before. It's a very unique taste. It's very... Honestly, like nothing in, I haven't had anything that even tastes similar to it in no, my life. No, definitely not. And it's very, I guess it's an acquired taste. It's like, you got to kind of grow up with it. But, it, and if you grow up with it, I think those people do love it. But if you've never had it as a kid and it's not normal to you, it, it does taste odd. Yeah. Yeah. It is a bit of a weird thing for sure. I mean, that's how, that's how I, that's how it went for me. So, <laughs> So, how much yeah. longer do you have in Australia? Um, I'm here till December. Uh, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I finished school mid to end of November. Okay. At which point, 
I'll have to come back probably before Christmas. Um, so I'm that I'm ready to go to school in Montreal again for January. So what I'm thinking is I'll either there's a festival at the beginning of December that I want to go to, and then I'll try and travel a little bit to through Asia on my way back to to Canada in December. Nice. What are some of the first things you want to do when you're back in Canada? <laughs> uh, well, it'll be winter, oh, so I want to go for an outdoor skate. Nice. Definitely. See my uh, see my friends and family for sure. Yeah. And other than that, man, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm also excited to be back in Montreal. You know, after after doing co-op in Toronto, starting from September. I haven't been in Montreal since last, like, June 2018. Yeah, it's been a while. So Montreal's missed you. Yeah, that place was home for the last three years, so I'm really excited to get back there and uh, just have a good time before graduating. Would you only have one semester left in Montreal? Yeah, one semester and two classes. Nice. So that'll be, uh, yeah, that'll be good. Nice and relaxed. So you've been a guy that has always given me book suggestions. What have you been reading recently that you've really enjoyed? Oh, I think I told, I, I feel like I mentioned this book to you. Um, Shoe Dog. Yeah. By the owner, uh, the CEO and the found, one of the founders of Nike. Amazing, amazing book. Like that'll inspire you to get going on your, if you have any ideas. Okay. It just shows you sort of his work ethic, his dedication to the company. And it's not a very technical book. Like, it doesn't break down the accounting processes and the, uh, you know, the business management techniques that he was using. But it's it's just basically his thought process and what was going on in his head from the time that he thought of the idea to the time that he was no longer needing to go to the company's office every single day. And he was relaxed and hanging out with Steve Jobs, you know. <laughs> For sure. That's, so that's uh, a really good book. Yeah, I've heard that it's a good book for people that are, like, especially young people that are kind of chasing dreams and stuff like that. Yeah, and as an athlete as well, I think you'd love it. As cool. a lover of sports. You'd find some connections with him over that, for sure. I've also just been getting a little bit more into sort of saving my money, learning how to use my money better, and keeping track of it. So I've been reading a couple... We've been trying to read a couple books for finance like that. It's cool. Um, the Barefoot Investor is one that I'm going, I'm going over right now. There was one thing that I wanted to ask you as well. I was thinking about this earlier today. So you've been staying with a friend of yours in a house slash apartment. Yeah. Do you regret not going into residence for your exchange? Mm. Um, so when I first got here, I... I compared my exchange experience a lot to what I think your brother's was, to what Jack's was. Yeah. And I did feel a little bit of regret because I was outside of that school environment, right? So I wasn't meeting people in res. Um, I'm not living directly on the campus either. I'm outside of the campus. So I'm not surrounded by students. Mm -hmm. And my only way to meet students at first was through class, it felt like. Um, however, having said that, if I was only here for one semester, Marcus, I would have loved to be on res and just really immerse myself in it. But because I'm here for two and even a little bit longer, um, I'm happy that I'm not on res because being there in 
international student, I would have lived with international students who would have all left after the first semester. Okay. And I would have sort of found, immersed myself in that, found that family, and then like had to do it again. For sure. Versus here, I'm building more of a long-term community of people that are living here full-time, which is like all of the friends that I'm meeting through my roommate, Tim, they're basically all not in school. They're all graduated already. They're living a very, a very different lifestyle from that sort of international exchange first year res experience. Yeah. That I think a lot of people expect, but I appreciate this one more, you know? I think for where you're at in your point in life, you're, you've been in res before you've had that experience and it's from what it sounds like with like your focus on cooking as well as financial planning. It's almost like you're ready to like not grow up, but just like be self-sustainable more. And, uh, yeah. and I, I feel like from what it sounds like you're, you're surrounding yourself with people like that. Definitely. I mean, man, I've been really, all of Tim's friends are really, really cool people, but one of them's just impressed me with his work ethic. Like it's made me sort of be like, Oh, there's a whole other level to how hard we can work. Even just as students in Canada, I feel like a lot more people have part-time jobs here during university. Okay. Um, people work full all year round at these part-time jobs. They don't just get summer jobs here. Mm-hmm. And they take trips and vac- like mini vacations throughout the year more often. They don't just do that in the summer, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I actually, I know two people here who took like four or five years off before coming to university. Actually, I know like four people now, five people who, who've done that. And now they're in their mid, mid-20s starting uni. But they were working jobs earning 60 grand a year. A couple of them already own houses. And it's just a really, really cool to see sort of a different approach to it, which I feel like people are more open to here in Australia. They're more open to taking time off after high school. For sure. Which is nice, just because it's nice to have that option if it's if it's what's better for you. Yeah, I've actually met a couple people now at Concordia that are like 26, 28. And uh, it is really interesting to hear kind of their reasons for going into school at that age. It seems like they, they do, they're very passionate about what they're doing because they're at a stage in their life where it's not their parents sending them off. It's their choice to go to, to school. So it's, they're putting in almost more of a, I'd say more effort because it is their choice and it's their money that they're spending mostly. While if you look at a lot of people that we were in residence with, it's a lot of their parents paying for it. It's their parents that wanted them to go to university. It's their parents that kind of are telling them to go into certain programs, which was very interesting. It's much less of a choice, which I actually don't think benefits like it's definitely you, you, it's good to have an education uh, and it's good to you know go to university for sure but i think you get way more out of it when you make that decision yourself it's really funny a couple weeks ago i was getting my hair cut at a barber shop and uh, there was this one which which barber shop it was fade to brooklyn in nice. uh, like right by concordia yeah. there was this one it was just a situation that really stuck with me I was sitting, getting my hair cut, and the guy sitting in the chair beside me, it was, he was talking about uh, school. 
and different programs. Barber asks him, so what program are you in? The kid responds, oh, I'm in civil engineering. And this is a kid that's probably a year younger than me. He's probably in residence at Concordia. The barber then asks him, so what do you think about programs like uh, fine arts or like gender studies, stuff like that? The kid just said, oh, I think it's kind of bullshit. It really disappointed me that someone would think that. So then I actually chimed in. I said to him, I was like, well, like, what makes it so bullshit? It's needed in society. These people that are taking these classes, it's what they're really passionate about. And it's better that they're doing something that they're passionate about than uh, just doing whatever their parents told them to do. And then I even told the kid, I was like, you know what? Write a 10-page essay on, like, for example, like queer theory or something like that. That's going to be very tough for you to do. The kid kind of shut up, but the barber thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> but he's yeah, man, that's amazing. Good, good on you for saying that. I think that's great. I was just kind of shocked, and then I don't know. I was you think about like I see it a lot in people in business school at Concordia. They almost feel a sense of prestige because they're in business school and that their programs are above other people's, but it's not. Hundred percent. You know what, Marcus? Actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because I felt like throughout my time at Concordia, a feeling of prestige that other business school students had, it actually made me feel bad about studying finance. But Mm -hmm. coming over here, when I tell people that I'm in finance, it's always a bit of like, oh, you're in finance? They're shocked. And there's no like... There's no feeling of prestige of being in finance here. You know, it's almost looked down upon. It's made me like it more. It's made me like finance more because of that. Which is weird and backwards, but whatever. Because when I see my friends or people that I know in unique programs, I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool. Especially like Mm -hmm. you're doing something niche. You're being your own person. And uh, I feel like that's a lot more important and it might be more valuable in the workplace. Definitely. But that, that's just my, my point of view. I agree, man. And I think it takes some balls to like step outside of the norm and do something that you care about more. Maybe not, but I think it does. Well, you've been stepping out of the norm doing this exchange, eh? I guess so, a little bit, yeah. Not that many people actually end up doing it. No, you're right. Most people don't do exchange, and I think most people should. It's a really cool experience and a change-up. Yeah, just a different routine must be nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's You know what, man? After three years of at Concordia, I did feel like a kind of like, okay, I get what I'm doing. Like, I understand Montreal. I figured out, you know, how to do school well over here and enjoy myself and be in this culture, and I want to change things up. You know, throw myself a curveball. So you said that um, a big reason for you not being in res was that you were here for a year uh, or in Australia for a year. What made you decide to do it for a year instead of just one semester? Um, two, Two factors. One was that having lived in Germany for 11 months after high school, I really realized it takes roughly four months to fully kind of become part of a, of a community. Yeah. And if I'd done one semester, by the time that community was established and I was feeling good and in the flow, I would have had to leave. 
but I feel like in this way, I'm actually going to be able to enjoy that community more that I've just worked so hard to build. Not not to build, but to enter, mm-hmm. you know? And the other thing is that my roommate, Tim, did an exchange in Montreal. He was only going to do a semester. He extended to a year. Um, a friend of mine, Alex Malora, Alexandra Malora, she did the same thing from a semester to a year. And both of them were very adamant that I would want to stay a year once I was over here and that I shouldn't hold back. So I trusted them with that. Cool. Yeah. To end off the podcast, I just want to know some things that still are on your bucket list for Australia. Okay. Um, my biggest thing when I came over here was I wanted to get a motorcycle license. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I've got a couple jobs lined up for the next three weeks. Um, see how I'm looking with money. That's the biggest thing for me. Would you buy your and, own uh, motorcycle? I'd buy it. Yeah, I'd buy a cheap one, like fifteen hundred bucks. Cool. And just sell it when I leave. That's a cool. That's a cool yeah. thing for your bucket list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Alexandra Malora, she kind of inspired me for that one. She gets credit for that. Cause you're a big um, longboard guy. Have, do you have a longboard there? Yeah, I've got two that are actually just kind of given to me. One of them was more of a loan. I'm gonna give it back. And uh, the other one was an old beat-up one that Matt, Matt, my old roommate's bro- older brother, gave to me. Cool. Who lives here. Yeah. Great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on Coos's Corner. Hey, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on. It's always an honor and a pleasure. All the way from Australia, Christian Gray. <laughs> That's been an episode of Coos's Corner.